Welcome to the show. It's Real Talk with the Six Man. I'm your host, the Six Man. This podcast is uncut, unscripted, and we talk about a wide range of topics. Black entrepreneurship, social injustice, education, finances, the family dynamic, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and mental health, along with many more. It's a Real Talk podcast to empower, educate, encourage, uplift, and inspire, and to allow others to be better than they were yesterday. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. You're tuning into Real Talk with the Six Man. I am your host, the Six Man, and I also have my co-host here, Mr. Machi. Machi, how you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, so listen. So last week we had an opportunity to speak to Jamal Grantham um, with Great Clothing Line, right? And I think that mm-hmm. it was a great conversation because it was a lot of the stuff that um, people didn't necessarily know about him, especially the community part, right? And I think a lot of times we want to um, highlight, you know, our black entrepreneurs. So how did you feel about the conversation and what did you learn new about, you know, Great Clothing Line or just a black entrepreneur period? Yeah, so I definitely enjoyed, you know, the conversation last week. And I learned so much about the clothing line because, to be honest, I didn't know about it until, you know, you had did that collaboration with him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I did get a, you know, I started to know about his clothing line from there. But the most important piece I really got out of it last week was just the whole, I think, the background story of how he started and really, like, the background or the nuts and bolts of starting your own business. Right. And I think that a lot of people, you know, I got some great advice. I know a lot of other people got some great advice from him that they were thinking about starting their own business. I mean, it was very, very <laughs> educational for me. <laughs> I so, mean, <laughs> I mean, because there is, I mean, there is some things that has to be done on the back end. And like we kind of talked about it as far as not being able to cut 
corners. So there are, there are some things that you have to do in regards to um, registering with the state first. I mean, it's just some things you have to do in order to be recognized in the state that you're going to work in. And it's some tax liabilities and stuff that's there as well. So it's just a lot of stuff that, you know, I, I wasn't I wouldn't ever tell nobody not to start their business. I mean, because I kind of started my business without having all of the legal stuff, you know, crossed and dotted. But I eventually did it. But I still think people that want to do business, they still should just jump. They should jump. Yes. And they should try to, you know, start so they can see that it's not as as hard as they think it might be. I mean, it it is going to be some work. I'm not saying hard. Like, it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be some work, but it'll be well worked. Um, put in, you know, if they give that effort. So I, I thought that it was a great um, um, episode to kind of mm-hmm. talk to him and, you know, catch up with him. But, you know, tonight, man, we got um, we got one of them conversations that I thought that we needed guests. We needed, we needed, we needed guests. We needed um, um, somebody kind of experienced and educated in this field because it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. And I, and I know, yeah. and I know you as a mother having a son, I know when you saw it, I know you was like, wow, like this is, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you yes. know, um, am I saying her name right? Is it Enyala? Enyala. 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 Okay. Enyala Van Zandt. <laughs> is that it? That's not it? Enyala. Like Enyala. Okay. That, that's her name. And she had a video, um, or, or I guess like an episode in regards to mothers apologizing to their sons. And uh, I think that um, this conversation came up a few times in our chat in the room, um, in the group. And I thought that I wanted to bring on one of my group members because she always has great input on this. But then I think she takes it back to the part where it turns into a generational curse because it continues to happen from parent mm-hmm. to parent to parent, from child to child to child. And then I also have a a, a guy that I went to high school with, um, and when he saw the post, he was like, Slim, I, 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 I like want to vent off this joint. I was like, for real? I was wow. like, oh, well, I bet. So I want to bring in Nadia. Um, Nadia is going to be our somewhat expert for the, for, the, for the conversation tonight. Nadia, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this process tonight. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a little different. It's a little different than the room. It's going to be about the same, but it won't be as much, um, you know, people talking. It'll just be us. So I think it'll be a, a definite, um, a more intimate conversation. That way, things can be said, uh, details can be heard. People can write stuff down if they need to, and then after they hear it, if they got any more questions, I'm sure you're going to give them some information tonight to think about. And then if so, um, they can reach out to me, and then I'll reach out to you, and then we'll we'll go from there. And so, okay. And so we got another guest, man. Hood, like I say, I I went to high school with this dude, man. Good dude, always, you know, been somewhat of a character from what I've known. So I was happy that he took some time to talk to us tonight. Hood, you on the line? I'm here. What's up, dog? What's going on? Ain't too much, man. Hey, Just being a husband and dad. Hey, know? hey, listen, man. Like I, like I said again, I appreciate you for doing this, man. You won't be, you, you won't be the only one sharing. Um, your testimony, and like I said earlier when we talked, man, if there's anything that you feel like you don't want to talk about, you don't have to, honestly. Um, I think that um, once we uh, play the, the audio, it'll be kind of the segue to the conversation on its own. 
It's all good, bro. You know, getting it out is, is kind of therapy. You know, it's, it's not pent up in it. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed right. to be out. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, with that being said, we're we going to get the party rolling, man. So, like I said, y'all, we're going to have a conversation. Um, and, and we didn't really, you know, give this conversation a talk, but it's pretty much, um, you know, trauma of a mother and a son. I, I would say that. I mean, because it's been ongoing. And so we're going to play this video. We're going to play this audio real quick for y'all so y'all can have a, a good idea of what we're going to be talking about. And after the audio, we'll be back and then we're going to get into this conversation. So check out this audio. I was emotionally and verbally abusive. I used you as a container for my rage. The rage against my own father. I cursed God that he gave me sons because of the rage that I had. You are not responsible. You are not responsible for my rage, for my emptiness. And for 27 years out of my 64, I've been working on my own healing, the best gift that I can give to you. So you can see something different and be somebody different and do something different. And I'm really, really proud of it. I'm really proud. What do you want to say to her? I forgive you. Oh, okay. Let me just take my shoes off. Forgive me for tearing me down. I forgive you for telling me you wish you could leave me after daddy died. I forgive you for yelling at me every day, no matter how many times I came home cleaning the house. I forgive you for every, every moment I hated because you hurt me. I forgive you for every time I hurt myself. I forgive you. seven years but even though you weren't my father you showed me how to be a parent and I never walk away from my kids because of you so to me y'all that clip had a lot of layers and I, and I know Nadia she's 
she's the queen of layers because she was like, this thing is layered, right? And so um, I, I was just thinking to myself that, you know, him listening to her apologize, I'm wondering how much of that, um, you know, uh, the, the years of trauma he had to think about when he heard her apologize. Like, how, like how did he come up with I forgive you in that moment, right? Because I know the producers and they knew what they were going on the show to do. But when that stuff is relived in front of you, it's like, how do you get to the point where you are okay with the apology? And then two, listening to um, him tell her how the trauma tormented him. I mean, the part when he said, I might have taken 50 pills and sitting on the couch and you would just walk past me like it was nothing. Yes. I was like, what? Yes. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, it really is a lot to unpack, y'all. But, these, but this is one of them conversations that I feel like um, in our community, um, we don't have these type of conversations a lot, right? So I'm going to start with you, Amazing, because, you know, you have a son. Um, he's a little younger. And I know we even talked previous in, in regards of um of um discipline and i know you had told me that you know you yeah. don't hit your son right so kind of even, even though you have your mindset on you know your 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 discipline um the way you discipline your son kind of uh-huh. tell us how this made you feel when you heard this on both sides from the father i mean from the from the son and the mother how did this make you feel you know what, Kevin, it, it was just like what you said for our black community. We don't talk about it a lot, but I think it happens a lot in our community. But people just don't either, you know, our generational pathology is used to it. You know, people don't see that it's a real serious issue, but of course it is. And um, I think in, when I heard the clip, it went, my thinking went immediately back to my grandmother. I personally wasn't directly hit like that, but because of the generational um, abuse that happened in my family. Mm. Um, my uncles were basically the guy that was in the clip. And my mother, see, and the, so this is my mother's side. So she, you know, she was the daughter in those situations. But my mother and her siblings broke the cycle with my grandmother because it, it was just somewhere, somehow, they have made, they made this pledge together to break it. They knew it wasn't right. They knew it wasn't healthy. Mm. But um, so it made me start to think about those sort of things, you know, and I started thinking about, you know, my family's lineage. And it really just stopped with my mother's generation. Mm. But, you know, prior it was a long, you know, line of, I would say, abuse like that. So therefore, when I had my son, you know, I I was, I mean, I was spanked, you know, I, you know, with that oh, you know, discipline. I, but I mean, I got my ass <laughs> No yeah. question. Mom, Mom Dukes Mom Duke made my ass red on plenty of occasions. Right. So yeah. when it came to my son, I just felt it more importantly to talk to him rather than scream and hit him. And really, I just wanted him, well, I'm raising him to grow up in a lot of love. Not saying that, you know, discipline isn't, you know, love. I mean, you have to discipline your children, but I just discipline him in a different way where we talk more than me screaming and yelling and you know, beating him. But I, I'm just, I just really want him to grow up in an environment where I'm just loving on him. Like, that's my you know, that's just my focus. Right, so. yeah. I mean, I remember I remember one time we, we put a post up and it was it was about um, a mother beating their son because 
they found out that he was uh wearing like a tutu or something, right? And um it was a young lady, she she voiced her opinion in regards to, you know, um beating her, her son or beating the child. And she was saying that that doesn't necessarily work. Like, you know, of course, all kids aren't the same and all punishments don't work across the board. Right. But when we right. grew up, that was that was handed down from our mm-hmm. our parents, parents. Right. That's how they did it. So it's like this. how I'm going to do it. Right. And so now I want to bring you in. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it, and, and when you say don't know no better, it just means that. It you know like you say it, it was just it was passed down yeah. right right it was just passed sometimes, down. Sometimes, sometimes I honestly believe people beat their kids out of frustration, and mm. it, it don't be it don't be more so what the child did at the time. It just the inconvenience it caused at the time. Because right. I've seen family members, mm. my little cousins slipping all over the couch, jumping, flipping, doing whatever, but you sitting. Not Auntie Soda over. It's a she's right. spags. Yeah, it's you a know right. what I'm saying. You shouldn't have been jumping anyway. You know, you don't right. say nothing to him. Right. The whole time he's doing it, but as soon as he inconvenience you, you spags. That's a great point. And I think I think urban families. I ain't gonna say just black because we don't know better. We 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 was ruled by the whip. You know, grandma. How many grandmothers say go get the switch? I know I got my head lashed plenty of oh, times. Man. You know what I'm saying and. With my kids, and I got three girls, one boy. You know what I'm saying? My girls my girls just made me a cold pump. Just straight up and down. Hey. I'm a cold pump when it comes to them. You ain't by yourself. Thank God, thank God for my wife, because <laughs> she can handle them. But my son, oh, my son's going to catch these hands sometimes. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it's just because it ain't every time he do something. If he make a mistake part of growing up, that's good. You know what I'm saying? We come home drunk, he going to catch these hands, because mm-hmm. he's 18 and he know better. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But it's a line always drawn. I look at how I was brought up and it seemed like if I answered the if I answered a question wrong, mom was hollering. You know what I'm saying? You don't know that. You know, this is help or homework. You know, I don't know. That's why I need help. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And we didn't yell that. You know, but with my kids, I just I, I man, I don't know, they taught me patience. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They taught me to like, you know, empathize, mm. you know, and and it's it working on me. And it made me look at a lot of things in my life. Because my relationship with my mother wasn't the best. And, mm. I, and I think myself jealous of my wife's relationship with our son. You know? Mm. And that wasn't healthy. Oh, you know? But I couldn't, I couldn't help what I was feeling because my mom wasn't like that. My mm. mom was, you know, go over there. You know what I'm saying? I left the house at 16. You know, 16, I ain't old enough to do nothing. And she just let me. So I was just like, you know, all right, well, it's, 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 it's me against the world. Then. And that's how I took it from that day forward. Wow. But I just make it make it different mm. for my kids. Right. right. You, you know what? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Kevin. No, I was going to piggyback on what Hood was just talking about, about how, you know, how he looks at his wife's and his son's relationship. And you know what, um, Hood, my, my son's father. Um, my son's father, he did not have a good relationship with his mother. Still does, you know, you know, they still go through their stuff. And he admitted to me a couple of years ago that he, you know, he was just a little, he, he didn't say jealous. I forgot how he kind of even worded it, but he did say that 
he said it took him some time to kind of get used to me and my son's relationship because he wasn't used to the mother and son's relationship mm. like that. Wow. And yeah, my man, yeah. my man is growing. He's growing. You know what I'm saying? He, yeah. he needs to be heard and listened to right now. I mean, I, it, it's been a couple of times. I don't know. My wife go through the same thing. I tried to be vulnerable with her. And then it like backfired. Like you old punk ass man, shut the fuck up. You know, stop crying. Get up and go do something. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't hold that against her because we both looked at each other. And she said something to me a while ago. Hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where she got that from. But oh, that yeah. kind of hit something deep. Mm-hmm. She, you know she what got, she got it from like, somebody wow. that was hurt. She got it from somebody that was hurt. That hurt her. Yeah, that was okay. Cause it's a true statement. I was gonna say exactly what you exactly what you said is uh, I would say frustration, and then on the side of the conversation is I'm getting into a different season in my life that I had to really start taking inventory. So I wasn't a person who yelled off the break. It was like you got to build me up to it, and I started to realize that my my patience was getting shorter, and I had to do some checking in, like what's what's happening for me. So I told the kids, like, if something happens and you hear me yell, let me think of two things. I said, number one, it's either I'm afraid of something or something is frustrating me. So it may not be you. And the first thing I catch myself is like, all right, hey, this ain't you. I just get, I need a minute. Now, I right. tell them, if you go past that minute and I tell you that I just told you, like, let me check myself. If you ignore that warning. And you still proceed, and then, then whatever comes, comes. But I've already given you, like, give me a minute, let me figure out what's happening for me, because something is going on. And I was just telling my daughter, like, literally the other day, like yesterday or the day before, man, I need to check in with some doctors, because I may be going through pre-menopause. Mm. Because I realized that I'm really short, more short than normal. And it's like little things can trigger me easily. And I'm like, so where's right. what's this showing up? So I'm checking in, like I told the kids, let me check in. Why am I showing up this way? So I build up, I pull away. Sometimes it's like I'm overwhelmed. I take breaks from kids. My mother back in the day, she used to go come home from work. And I remember this. At five o'clock, she would get home. And from five to six, she would cut us off. Like she would go straight to the room. She'd be like, I don't care what y'all doing. I'm going to my room. She'll go five That's to it. six. Yes. And then she would come down and cook dinner and do everything else and engage. So we would sit outside the door. And I'm like, why the heck is she doing that? Like, this is torture, right? Mm-hmm. And then I became a parent and I said, she's buffering herself. She is yes. coming down from the work desk. So I said, she doesn't roll that information onto us because whatever frustration she was feeling, whatever aggravation she was feeling, she knows it's going to show up. So she needs an hour to, to debrief. And kind of come to herself, get herself together, and now she could present herself before the kids. Now me, all super mom, I'm showing up. I'm gonna be all right. I don't need a break, and I don't, and then I'm starting to yell at people. And so when I, when I was talking to my therapist, she was like, "How do you take breaks from the kids?" And I got quiet. I said, "Oh, this reminds me of my mother." She said, "I need you to get a half hour or more." She said, "Put an egg timer on. They can't ask you anything in this period of time." She said, unless the house is burning down, unless something major is happening, you they do not need you for that time. She said, because if you don't break your day, it's going to be destroying your relationship with your children. Mm. And I was like, wow. And I think about... Mm-hmm. I, I feel that, but 
it's not like that with me because my mom didn't work. You know, when I came home from work, I mean, from school, you know, she'd be watching the stories and I'd be excited. Hey, mom, this happened today and this, I'm watching my stories. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I know how that made me feel. So I look at it as I got like a 12 hour work day. You know, I go to work. When I come home, my kids be excited to see me. I usually pick them up from school because my wife get off late. So that 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 little alone time, that be my commute from work to them. You know what I'm saying? And it'd be broken up. And then after I get them home and dinner cooked and them in the shower and, 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 and half of their schoolwork done or whatever, my wife getting home. And she got that hour because they occupied. You know what I'm saying? But I don't get mine until the youngest lay down. And I step outside and just chill with Bob for a minute. Right. I do want to add to you what you said that she didn't work. And I want to be honest with you. So there was a season when I moved to Philadelphia and I would consider saying I didn't work. And I'm going to be honest with you. I probably did more at home. And I can't speak for your mother than I did when I was working because between Going to work, going, I mean, going to the store, washing clothes, getting food, getting this, getting that. It was like responding to teachers, responding to this, going to show up for this. I felt like I did more work as a, a house mom, as you want to call it, than I did. I wanted to go to work. I was like, oh, yeah, this is for the birds. This, I, I'm doing too much. I'm thinking about everybody else. And so what happens is I don't know. And I can't, I can't speak for everyone's situation, but I kind of have both. And I respect both worlds from a different perspective because we just never know everything that people have to take on. Going out into the world, dealing with everybody and their stuff, going to pick up something, going to go. Um, and I'm gonna be, I'm putting everything out there. I had a season where it was like a couple of months where me, I wasn't working because I came to Philly. I gave up my job. And then my husband was a, a teacher and they fired all the teachers. So then I had to go as humbling as it was to deep to welfare. I had, cause I was going to get uh, health insurance and I had to deal with all of those people and their attitudes and all of the stuff and the judgments that they had to feel. And then the judgments that I felt on myself because I was in this place of giving up my job to, from DC to come in here. And I'm like feeling lower than I'm set myself. And then people coming to you and they're adding to it. Mm. So all of that stuff that you feel, and then you're showing up in the world and the world was like, yeah, feel that way plus 10 times more. So I was like coming back and I was just like, well, what the heck did I get myself into? And I'm trying to figure all of this out and answering questions that I didn't want to answer and telling people personal business that you really don't want them to know, but you need the services, right? Right. So all of that shows up and people judging you for not working. You understand? So then I had to go out there into a world filled of people who don't care that you may be in between jobs, never had a job, whatever it was, they have judgments about you. And they speculate who you are in this world. So then I was asking me questions like I was lying and I had to kind of phase back. Hold on, let me check my case management role. And I asked this lady like, listen, you think I'm lying about not having any income. Well, where are you getting your money from? How were you eating? I was like, ma'am, I'm black. We show up with all kinds of ways to make money to figure it out. It's not an official job. I can't write it on a piece of paper, but I know ways to make money that's legal. And so she was just asking, I said, you feel like I'm lying. I don't need to lie. I came in here asking for health insurance. And I was getting my to a place where I was yelling. And I was like, let me see if you get supervisor. There are people who don't know to do that. That's that's how they treat everybody. Absolutely. That's how they treat everybody because 
um, when I left my oldest daughter's mother, I had my oldest daughter was with me. She was like six months. I'm, I'm 21 years old. I don't know what the hell to do. So I'm talking to my family members. First thing, go down, get some food stamps. Mm. You know, I go down, I'm looked at, looked at like I'm lying. They don't believe nothing I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My little money from my job that I just got fired from running out, I end up having to take her back to her mother, which like crushed me at the time. You know, so services through the city, man, and I, and I get the bullshit people go through, you know, to, to, to get help. You know, but it be them people behind them desks with them jobs that was just on the other side of that desk that just yes. treat people worse. Exactly. The absolute worst. Exactly. You know, and going back to my mom, she didn't she didn't work. And I understand like the the a housewife's role and a lot of a lot of what that entails. You know, but my mom ain't do nothing. We did all the chores. So she in the house by herself all day. And it'll be a bowl and a plate <laughs> and a sink from what she did. She's that girl. I get you. I get you. Oh, man. I mean, she didn't come to my basketball games. She didn't come to my football yeah. games. You know what I'm saying? And it, like, really, really messed with me early in my life, man. Mm. Up until late in my life. I mean, my wife was actually mm. my therapist for this. You know, she she sat me down and was just like, you know, just look, it ain't you. It is not you. Mm. You know, because I was just thinking, you know, damn, I'm, I'm not even a good son. I, I bought a house and that was like a big feat for our family because we went from staying with people, with kids, to buying our own house, mm. two cars. You know, we got a mortgage. Mm. It's like a feat. My, my, my mother been in my house twice. Wow. Mm. And it's not like wow. I'm in Atlanta or something. I'm a bus rider. I'm still on the bus ride. Mm. And she wow. drives. Wow. You know, and that really messed with me. But now I'm kind of like really at peace with it because, I mean, like I'm, now, like my wife said, it ain't me. Now, what sort of raising, how was your mother raised? How was she raised? Oh, my grandmother was a drinker. So, you know, she had a bunch of people in the house. They played cards a lot. So I think she was kind of, she's like the oldest girl. Matter of fact, she is the oldest. So, of course, she did all the mom, majority of the mom duties at a very, very young age. And I get that, you know, because at 10 years old, I learned how to fry chicken. So it was a night she didn't have to fry chicken no more because that's how I thought. I thought if my mom was cool, she'd basically let me get what I want. And I ain't wanted like much. Right. I want to go out there with my friends. Right. I want to stay out to like 830, you know what I'm saying, on a school night, you know. Stuff like that. <clears throat> but, nah, it's just nothing I did mm-hmm. work. And think about what you said, Hood. She had to raise siblings. So then it became a season in her life. But she just didn't want to raise anybody anymore. And I know that sounds really, like, messed up. But that's that's how sometimes people show up. And I had to um, I had what... to talk to, you know, a couple... A couple of my family friends like that who've experienced being the oldest sibling and having to do certain things. Nine times out of ten, those people, they either don't have kids or when they have kids, it's a struggle because you are always in this role. And so the moment I could have been like to retreat from this role, that's why therapy is important, is that it shows up. And, and so what happens is 
whether you want to deal with your situation or not, it will deal with you. And and that's that's what happens. It either comes out this way, it comes out that way, it comes out through sex, it comes out through drinking, it comes out through abandonment, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. So now you got mom, and then you got mom's mom, and then you got to think about how her mother's mother was raised, and all of that stuff plays a, a role into who we are. And mm. so we got to choose why we're going to show up like they did, or we're going to choose something different. And why did they show up like they did? My dad was almost similar. He was really hardcore, and I used to be like, yo, you should be just mean for no reason. Not just abusive mean. It was like a borderline. Yeah. He was a borderline. Let me just tell you, it was a, such a borderline. Like, if he did a little bit too much more, it would have definitely been abuse. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that my father was being beat by his mother mm-hmm. on, like, a, a heater with wires. Like, mm-hmm. what what type of sick? And then I talked to her, and she told me all the stuff she had done to them. And then mm-hmm. she left them in different locations. Like, hey, you know what? I don't want to deal with y'all. My father was the dark-skinned man in the family. All oh, of her right. other children were light-skinned. So my father was like, looked upon her. Her mother was like, how you have a kid with that man? And then look how he looked. He's too dark to be with us. Mm-hmm. So my grand, she left my dad here in D.C. And she went to uh, Chicago and California. She moved. And she just left my father just to be with his dad. And his grandmom and his dad had just got locked up. Now, my grandfather got locked up for, I think, they the, back in the day, they used to write bad checks. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather used to be a bad check writing somebody. Now, my grandmom did the same thing. She just got a little bit of time and rolled out. My grandfather was like, oh, I'm going to get out. Let me write some more bad checks, right? And that was the way they survived from what I understood back then. My father, my grandfather, genius, like a social, if you know the political life, but all of his stuff and how he showed up was different. So when I got back to all that and I understood it, I said, now this makes sense of why he shows up like this. Mm. So when my dad gets in these places, I'd be like, listen, now you can choose as an adult, like as a grandfather, you don't have to yell at my kids. They don't they don't even respond to yelling. They get enough yelling from me, so they're not going to even listen to you. <laughs> and if they do listen to you, it's going to be really taken back and you're going to cause a wedge because that's just not how they function. Mm-hmm. So when I talked to him about having conversations with kids, I said, you know, Daddy, you used to tell me that kids shouldn't ask why. Why not? When they ask why, they don't know. But that's what he was taught mm-hmm. from his parents. Mm-hmm. That asking why was a sign of disrespect. So now it's all this generational stuff. My mother-in-law was here, and one of our kids had an issue with something, and my wife told her something, and she was like, why, mom? And then mom-in-law was like, you don't ask your mother? And we was like, oh, <laughs> nah, we cool with this, because right. we grew up not being, not having, not knowing why. Right. You know, so we ended up doing a lot of stupid shit, because we didn't know why. Right. So we explain to our kids, man. We explain to them. We let them see. We show examples. We give our times where we did the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so far, so good. I got a 22-year-old. She's out in this world on her own. No kids. Two jobs. (laughs) College educated. I'm I'm, I'm happy. You know, that's one down. For sure. And I know I kind of felt like because she was the first child that I wasn't as good as I am with my youngest girls 
you know, and, I, and she when she moved out, kind of like had this conversation with her, like, look, you know, by the time Ari was born, I was a pro. You know, you was my first, so I was, I was, you know, shooting from the hip. Right. Make, I didn't know what to do. Right, making mistakes you know, and all that, right. Yeah, and huge mistakes. You know, it's stuff she brought up, like, you ain't let me do that when I was four, but you let her do it. You know what I'm saying? It, stuff like that stick to me, you know, but... We had a nice, nice little lengthy conversation, and yeah, you know, she she made me feel better about where I am with them. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm I'm I feel so much better. I feel so much better, like as a parent. I think being a parent and a husband is like the best thing that happened to me. Mm. You know, now mm. at first mm. I looked at it like, oh my god, all these kids, what I'm gonna do? <laughs> I never had nothing. You know. <laughs> That's some like, real I'm shit. Like, I want stuff. I want to go places. Oh, you know, but man. you know, our youngest is ten now, and me and my wife, we looking at every year. We going somewhere every year now. Yeah. So we yeah. still young to get enjoy some stuff. So you know, I, I learned on the fly, but so far so good. We doing something right. And, yeah. and even with that though, Slim, it's like when I look at that video, you know, and I think back, and again, like I said, Nadia, she always brings out some stuff, you know, to kind of make everybody think. And when I think about my mother, you know, again, you just mentioned 16, right? So when I was in junior high school, my mother decided that she wanted to move um, out of the house and go live with her man, which was which was cool. I mean, because as a youngin', I can remember my mother not even wanting to come out of the house. Like, and, right. and, and I shared this before. And, you know, at that age, not really knowing what was going on, I just think it's just a mother thing. She don't want to go outside go to the store, go to the ice cream truck and give me this or go do this. Or when people come to the door and they bring this, hey, put this on the stove, this this for y'all to eat for dinner tonight. I'm like, huh? What? My mother not cooking again tonight? And so when you think way back then, you don't you don't know at all. You just think whatever because you, you, you five and six and seven years old, so you really hey, don't know. You. But I remember her telling me that... Um, I think if if I if I if I if this if my memory serves me correctly, she told me that she had a nervous breakdown, and still to this day, I'm not a hundred percent sure what a nervous breakdown um, accumulates, like what it what it adds up to. But I remember her telling me that you know for a while she couldn't go outside, and I'm sitting on I'm sitting on the couch while she's talking to me, and I'm just looking at her like I remember that. She was like, "You do?" I was like, "Yeah, I remember." You wouldn't you you would let us go outside, but you wouldn't go outside. She was like, "You remember that?" I was like, "Yeah." So it's like it's stuff that I do remember, but you don't fully know why. And then as an adult, to hear your mother tell you why, you like, "Damn, for real." And so it's like, I wonder if my father would have knew that, whether he would have stepped in a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just it just makes me think that like the communicate, even though we communicate now, like you saying, you communicate with your kids. I, I've never, I've never beat Gianna. I've never beat my oldest daughter. I think I smacked Gianna on the butt one time, and when I did it, I had to hurry up and go downstairs because I start crying, <laughs> and I ain't want her to see me crying. So it was just like when I talk to her, it, it, I don't have to be physical. I could just talk, and she can see me, and she can be like, "Oh yeah, my daddy mad as shit. I ain't doing that no more." And so I think we do have this element where we don't want to raise our kids the way our parents raised us even mm -hmm. though let's let, let's just keep it a brick even though a lot of the stuff that our parents did to us back then prepared us for where we were living as we got older mm. like on some yeah, real shit if you look at it if you look at it bro 
a lot of that shit was abuse. It was mental or physical. It was like abuse. I agree. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this to you, Kevin. That's go ahead. I'm sorry. Cause finish what you were saying. No, and I was just saying that that was abuse because mental health wasn't as on the forefront as it is now. As it is now. That's correct. Yeah, I was gonna say to you when I when I first showed up with my mother in law and I met her. My family are huggers, so we hug, we embrace each other, mm-hmm. we're just really loving. And I remember trying to hug her, and it looked so uncomfortable. For and for she, her or she for does you? That for her, when for you her. hug her, it's almost like, oh my god, they're touching me way too much. Oh wow! And I remember, t- and how she kind of pats my back a little bit, like, don't, okay, we're done. Wow. And so. Um, the struggle that I had because my one of my love languages is physical touch and my husband struggles in that area. So I had to really work with that conversation. Like he remember he told me like, I know you think that I'm just mean sometimes. He said, but touching it just makes me uncomfortable. I, I never understood it. Like, what the heck is wrong? Like why wow. if, if you've never been touched and you've never been hugged like that? then it, it shows up with you. Yeah. So if she wasn't a hugger, she wasn't an embracer, so then she passed let, that on to her son. Let, can I so ask you this? Can I ask you this? Okay. I'm, I'm going to let you keep going, but I, I, I just got something. So um, d- did you see your husband differently after you felt this from his mother? I, no, because I still struggled with it because okay. in my mind, you could choose that. That's okay. what I thought. Okay. It wasn't until I met I met somebody else, one of my girlfriends on Facebook, and I inboxed her because she had brought up something similar. And I inboxed her and I said, is it really that uncomfortable? And she said, girl, yes. Even when my husband gets near me, I cringe. And I was like, Damn. wow. And, she, and then she explained it to me. That's when I got it, Kevin. Mm. It was like, imagine if no one touched you and then all of a sudden, people started to try to touch you. Right. But people say, well, you know, you're intimate, right? Y'all having sex. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the same. Yeah, that's yeah. a little different. I didn't know how to differentiate the two. So then I would be like, so you'll hold me after that. But then I would say, hey, give me a hug. And it's weird. So I was trying to understand. So And he told me the first person who taught him how to come out of that was our daughter. He said because he knew he had to hug her. Right. And it was different. Right. And I was like, but you have to hug me, right? He said, yeah, and I'm not trying to say it like that. He said, but I feel like you're an adult, and I can navigate that differently. But children don't deserve that. And so he was forced to interact with her like that. And then it became easier with time because she was a child. So it was like more of, if I continue to do this, I'm going to birth a child. That's going to be like me. That's going to be like her. And then it'll continue on. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, it was like, I got to stop it the best way I can. But I don't want to do it too much with everybody. Right. So he's doing it on his speed, at his speed. Yeah. But he does it more with the girls. Now, my son is like the last, my son is 14. And maybe in the last year, he started, maybe two years, he started hugging, hugging him. But it was like. And I didn't understand it, but it was that dynamic. It was that that boy and him and my me and my and my son. Like he was saying, he was watching us, and he was like, it was kind of like jealousy of how I show up for my son, and I'm hugging him and I'm touching him, 
but he didn't get that. Mm. So we had to have that conversation, like, you making him soft, and I was like, no, I'm doing things you didn't see. Right. I looked at it like that, too, because I, I rarely hug my son. You know what I'm saying? But I just, and you, men, men need brotherly love. We, we need that from Absolutely. each other. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I noticed mm-hmm. me and my homeboys, we adapt. And then that'd be like the only times we touch. You know, unless somebody going through something that he like end up breaking down and crying or something, you can see us kind of like hesitating, you know, but we end up breaking the wall down and like, you know, just just hugging them up or something like that. You know, and I just and I just know, you know, human contact is like a cure for a lot. And I can see like my son frustrated with something, you know, and I just go put him in the headlock and ask him, is he good? And usually, you know, he come out of whatever. You know, so, you know, I, I grew up like that. I mean, me and my dad, my dad was more like my brother, like a big brother. You know, he mm. he ain't teach me nothing. You know, he to this day, he come bum money for me, you mm. know, and he, <clears throat> we, we wasn't like that. We just wasn't. He wasn't around enough. You know, I was happy when I saw him because yeah. usually it meant junk food and fun. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. He, he, he get old and he's he like 60, 60 something now. And he's still looking to party. He come up here, he live in Virginia. He come up here for his birthday. Come on, let's go to MGM. Let's go to the strippers. Let's do this. I'm like, dog, it's Thursday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got work tomorrow. You That's tripping. Crazy. <laughs> you tripping them days man i mean i felt like i grew up too fast you know like i said i was absolutely out the house at 16 absolutely and yeah i ain't had i had a i had a lot of fun but it was like negligent fun like yeah if it would have went left it could have been my life could have sure. been jail could have sure. been anything you For know sure. but but looking back i was just like man i dodged the bullet and i'm just like on my son like man you know he liked hanging around congress pop you know, he, he, he a Merlin Bama, you know what I'm saying? I raised him in Merlin, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Stop playing, but he went to school in D.C., and that's where all his homies at, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got to understand, you know, because you keep me from my friends, man. That was like the end of the world for me, you know? And plus, he, he got a couple good boys, you know? They they working, they doing their thing, so he, he, he choosing well. So I'm, I'm feeling a little better about him going over there, man. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I was I was just gonna piggyback real quick in regards to the homie situation, right? Because I think that over the years, especially in high school, we didn't have um, deep conversations like that, like except for if a nigga had to go to court or if he caught a charge or some shit like that. But as we've gotten older, and like you said, I mean, having a child, it you know, I'm not exactly sure what God gives us. Um, in terms of letting us know that the that the that the child thinking is gone, and now we got to think like an adult. And I know the Bible says, as a child he was a child, but as an adult he gets rid of his childish things or uh, right. gets with his childish ways. And so, as an adult talking to my man and them, we've had so many different conversations that lead us into, you know, fatherhood because there's so many fathers in our circle. So I think that different upbringings allow us to see that there was a different way of emotionally bonding with your men because we had 
a couple men that grew up with their mother and their father. We got a couple right. men who grew up with just their mother, or you got a couple men that just grew up with their father, or men that didn't grow up with either parent. And when you mix all that together, you know, you, you have an idea, this person has an opinion, but when you hear an opinion from somebody who got both parents in the house, and you kind of see how they come out, you like, damn, you know what? That could have been me. And I don't turn around and think about it in a bad way because God gave me my situation the way he did for me to be able to do what I'm doing now. And that's how I look at it. I mean, I, like you just said, my father was, um, I think he, I think he, I think he graduated high school, but that's as far as he got. And then he was a truck driver, so he drove trucks. And when they started asking everybody for CDLs and all of that, my father didn't have to take no tests for no CDL. They just grandfathered him in and gave him a CDL because he had already been driving trucks for so long, right? So that was his only education. But he made decent money, you know. And, you know, even when I saw him with my sisters, because my, my sisters um, have a different um, mother, um we have different mothers, same father, different mothers. But when I saw my father with my sisters, it was a little different because they were girls. But with us, oh, he would fuck us up. Like he, like I remember one time I did something, and you know I was fucking with this bird in the bird cage, and he was like, "Can't leave that fucking bird alone." And I was like, "Man, I'm keep fucking with this bird," and he beat the shit out of me, Joe. And I think after that, he beat me so bad, he looked at me and he was like. I'm sorry, son, but I asked you not yeah. to do that, right? And I think in that moment, he saw how how, how I, not, not saying that I was going to go home and tell my mother, because I didn't. I didn't even tell my mother. I think after he he said he was sorry, um, he fixed me breakfast, and then I went on about my day. Because I remember um, Sugar Ray Leonard used to live um, three, uh, two buildings down from him, and I used to play with Sugar, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard's son in the parking lot when I used to go to see my father. So that was the that was my highlight, right? But talking as men, I feel like it's not enough of it, and that's why yeah. it's probably uncomfortable to them. And I'm not saying that it's uncomfortable to the point where it's like off balance. But can you imagine how many homies feel like you feel like, damn, we can't even embrace our men because it feel awkward. And I'm just saying, in our group, it ain't like that. We give every, we give each other a handshake and we give each other a hug, and even and that's coming and going. And I think that's been for the last 10 or 15 years. Why? Because it's some of us that's not here. We've seen some homies that's not here no more. And and we we collectively, as we get older, we don't want that to be us. I mean, I mean of, of, of course, you know, we all got our day coming, but we just don't want that to be us. So I think we try to turn the clock and say, all right, now nah, we're going to try to do things a little different. And so that's why I wanted Nadia to come in because I did want to kind of point out, I remember we had a conversation in regards to, you know, preferably was specifically little boys and the way little boys were raised, right? And I remember we talked about little boys um, have, um, you know, single mothers raising little boys and, you know, you got to be tough on them. If he fall, you got to get up. Um, you can't show him no love because he need to be strong. But then when you think about this little boy growing up to a man, now he in a house with a woman and now he giving off the same vibe that his mother told him. And now the lady like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And you yeah, like and that's kids, that's me. He see grandma being soft on the kids, and he mad at her because she wasn't like that with him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we, we, we talked about real boy. Uh, I was gonna write a book, a book about that boys do cry. Yes. And that men do cry, and yes. it's acceptable, and it's okay. And I premised it because my dad, uh, my my son, 
My husband and my son, I remember my mother-in-law's funeral last year. The way my son wept at her funeral and the way my husband came and he scooped him up. And I was like, because he knows that death of that hurt. And he hurts the way he hurts. And he embraced him in such a way that I've never seen my husband hug my son before. And it was for a while. And they just wept together. And the hurt that I felt was a little bit different because it was like the resolve of certain things. But then it was the conclusion that, that remember that conversation we were talking about with Ayala earlier, is that I feel like my husband wasn't able to make peace with his mother to get that apology. And now I'm crying on the inside because now how is that going to resolve? Right. And how does that move forward when she's no longer here? Right. And so now it's like, where does that information and that energy go when you've never gotten that apology? And so my son is crying, he's crying, and I'm crying for so many different reasons. Like, wow. So now it's a different healing. And I know this sounds really weird that I'm saying this, but I almost got to stand in the gap of healing for two broken people and broken for different reasons. That makes sense. Yeah. And navigate them. Like one of the things I told my husband after he, I said, I'm going to give you a year and some change to finish, not the grieving process with your mother, but to have a room. And then the next couple of months, we're talking therapy because there's yes. no way in the world we can move forward yes. until you deal with all of that mess. That has right. gotten you to this place right now. Whether she here or not, you're going to fix it. Yes. Absolutely. And that's not, I, I am not going to stand for nothing different than that. So he was he was fussing at me about me yelling lately. And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to go to a therapist. What about you? And then he got quiet. Because you know, I'm anytime I start to feel uneasy, that's my next bet. Therapy, doctor, seeing what's going to happen. Because I'm not going to stay in this place long. I'm not going to be broken long. And I told my husband, I said, listen, when my mother died, I took a two-year gap of, I don't know if I can explain it, that my body knew how to function every day, but mentally I wasn't there. So I showed up. I went to work. I did this for my kids. I fed them. I I played with them. I interacted with them. But there was a part of me that was gone. And I went to talk about it, and I said, you know what? I got to go to therapy. And when I talked to her, she said, you haven't even gotten past stage one of grief. Mm, And she said, and when you're ready to get past stage one, these are the things you have to do to do it. And it was like really emptying out things in my life and people in my life that were hindering me from getting the healing that I needed. And so I was turning to people and was like, you can't be in my life. You can't be in my life. You can't be in my life because you guys enable me Mm. to not show up the way I need to and it wasn't like I was trying to be mean it was like I really had to deal with things and I had some really counter um what do they call them um codependent relationships so there were codependent people in my life so what was happening was I let them need me and not their need for me escaped me from the reality that I was facing that I was struggling with my mother's death mm. right. so then I, then I started to break all yep and so I started breaking all those people. And the moment I got rid of the last person, I remember the day, like it was yesterday, I went into the cabinet. My mother used to love going to the movies, and she loved this. Um, do you remember the movie Nachos? 
and yeah. it had that red uh, container. Yeah. It, the red dip is a Tostitos. That's yeah. how detailed this is. Yeah. It's Tostitos dip. Yeah. And I happened to buy it. Listen to this. I don't even remember when I bought it from the store because I wasn't there, remember? And I bought it and I went to go eat some nachos and I broke down. Mm. And it was like, you breaking down over nachos? And it wasn't the nachos. It was my codependent. My last relationship ended. So now I had to deal with Nadia. So now I had to accept that I wasn't there for my mother like I could have because I was dealing with some things that was going on in my marriage. I didn't show up for her. So all of that guilt came out. All of those hard feelings came out. And then I was dealing with all of that mess. And it was like, all right, now this is what happened. So full circle to now, I told my husband, you can you can say that, but I'm not going to let you stay longer because I'm not going to be your codependent relationship. Mm. I'm holding you accountable to changing these behaviors to addressing the pain and hurt you felt because not that she did a lot of that stuff. She did other toxic things that showed up in his life and made him feel a certain way. And now it's like, we got to talk about this. I mean, I was, Mm. I was just tough. Like I was just like, I mean, I remember thinking about, you know, old relationships, past relationships. And I was just, I was just, um, one one young lady said it this way. She was like, "You can be real cold sometimes." I was like, "What does that even mean?" She was like, "You just say stuff like you don't even care that it's hurting my feelings." I was like, "It ain't. I'm not trying to literally say something to hurt your feelings, but if that's what I'm doing, I apologize." She was like, "No, I feel like you do it on purpose. I, I think you do it to to self sabotage the relationship." And I mean, me and my man Tony man just talked about this, and I was like. Damn, for real. And I mean, even if that's what I was doing, I mean, how do I know that that's what I'm doing? Like, how do I know? I mean, even though somebody's oh, telling me that. I'm doing no, it, but you, how do you, I know that? No, nah, you you just like no because I was told that too. I told I was told I can be detached. You know, I could be heartless. I could be cold. But I looked at it as telling the truth because early relationships, my little girlfriends, man, I ain't really care. You know, if, I, if they wasn't fun, you know, I mean, I make sure they were safe, make sure they got home. But right. it was a lot I ain't even care about. They say something like, you know, if you if you say something like this again, I'm not coming back. I'd be like, all right, you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you know, you I be really easy. didn't, and it was like, I was it was like crushing people. I like yeah. not showed up to somebody's prom. I just didn't feel like it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I did not care, really. And and, and I looked at my relationship with my mom, you know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, my, I mean, my mom, it just seemed like the most important stuff to me coming up just wasn't for her, mm. you know? And then it wasn't until my first daughter was born that I, like, really began to, like, care. I, I looked at it at, I mean, my, my homeboy teased me, talking about, you getting soft, you know, but... I needed to, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I should have like much earlier, but mm-hmm. I really did not care. But you know what I think too with, um, you know, even talking about like, you know, once we get adults and get into these relationships with other people, I think sometimes people don't realize, we always talk about, you know, the dad being absent or the father not being in the home, but the son and mother relationship is so important. Because to me, it predicts a lot of stuff. Like even, you know, how men treat women, you know, going on when they get to adulthood. Right. Because 
you know, that relationship to me is very vital because it really predicts on how your love life is going to uh, be. A lot of women, a lot of women pay attention to that. A lot of women pay attention oh, to how yeah. they treat their mother. Yeah, but but it's, important yes. for, it's important for both parents. Correct. Because what if he was just raised important. by his dad? Then, then there'd be another set of issues that you would have to deal with. Right. But you know what? Most of the most of the men that I have dealt with in my life, for some reason, the pattern, and I probably have to look in, inward to myself, almost everybody has had an issue with their mother. Either their mother has abandoned them, they weren't raised by their mother, mm. you know, they were raised by their dad. So I always feel the host of the problems comes from their mother not being there. Yeah, they were raised by primarily by their dad, and there's issues there, but the main issue is this woman abandoned them. So then yeah. that brings a whole raft of issues now because they're dealing with you. As you know, they're dealing now with their girlfriend or wife or whoever. Like, right, it's, but it's still, it's still the same kind of amount of issues if the if he was raised without a dad. It's just well, no, a what different you, thing. What you got to... What you got to think about, Hood, is that that mother piece is what they call your first relationship. That's why they say your dad and a daughter is that first relationship of the opposite sex. And so when you got it, that's your frame of reference. So if the mother isn't there, you don't have a frame of reference. And it's almost like you got to build from nowhere. Like you have nothing to build on but other than what you see in the world. But when it's right there with you every day then your frame of reference is reinforced every day. This is how a woman treats a man. This is how a man treats a woman. That's why I told my, my husband like, how we show up for each other in front of the kids. It can be toxic and kids can see that. Right. And then they're like, this is how a relationship's supposed to look. Right. So all of those yeah. different things yeah. form kids. Yeah, it's not just the people. Yeah, so the person being there is just reinforcing it every day. Versus nobody being there, and you just see it out in the world. That's really it's little reinforcements, but not the consistent ones. Mm-hmm. So somebody mm-hmm. being in your house like that lady, and she he said he took all of those pills, and she didn't even notice him. That's how how absent she was, and you saw how he broke down, and he was just like. And it almost felt like it didn't even matter to you. Mm-hmm. And he represented that with how many women that didn't matter to him right. because he didn't matter mm-hmm. to her. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I, I and it's and it's yeah. and it's almost like not not like an excuse, but it's almost like that's that's what what it really is. And I think that, you know, talking to Talking to people, going to therapy. I mean, I would tell people, you know, whenever they ask me, going to therapy when I did, at the time that I did, was one of the greatest things I've ever did. I had to go once court appointed, but when I decided that the court the court appointed therapy made me feel a certain type of way, I felt like I needed to go back, but I needed to go back because I wanted to. And again, going back and talking to this lady didn't we didn't even start at the point of where I wanted to start. She was like, no, <clears throat> let's not start there. Take me back to elementary school and work Man. your way back. Right. And I and I remember Nadia when you was talking to Will that night, you you kind of told him the same thing. Let's go back to that night and work your way back. Because now, like you told him, your mind allowed you to grow up. And go to work and take care of your son and go to college and do all this stuff, but you still this you still stuck in this six year old mindset because you still thinking about you know why did this happen right and so it was so many things 
that had had happened to me. And there's a lot of stuff that over the years that I shared on this platform and people may call me and be like, yo, that really happened to you? Like I remember one night, y'all, I shared that I was doing Uber and um, long story short, I was getting ready to start to go downtown. I got on Sulin Parkway and it, I basically got into a shootout. Basically, it was a... Basically, it was a, um, what you call it when it's two cars? Road rage. It was basically a road rage incident. And I let the guy go ahead and go. I stopped. Um, we on Sulin Parkway. It's like one in the morning. I let him go ahead because I'm thinking he was going to go ahead. Man, this dude maybe stopped like 20 feet in front of me, got out of his car. And his clip that was hanging out that gun was longer than a yardstick. I was like, oh, shit. So he started yakking at my car. I'm trying to get away from it. And I mean, fast forward, I remember going to my my sister picking me up because she knew, you know, my sister knew I was dealing with a lot. But, you know, again, it's that not really wanting to say nothing, not really wanting to, you know, have people all in your feeling, all in their business and all of that. And I remember going to um, one of her friends. I was and we just trying to sit there and chill. And one of her friends was like, yeah, man, somebody got shot at last night. We heard them on Sulin Parkway. My sister turned and looked at me. So uh, it, it, it was like, you know, at what point does this woman feel like she need to go talk to somebody? Because I, cause I feel like, at what, at what point do we all feel like that? Because again, in our community, we're not taught, and I'm going to use the word taught, we're not taught to go talk to a therapist. And I'm happy that this young lady Young lady, this older lady had an opportunity to talk to a therapist and apologize to her son and, and rekindle that. But at what point do parents, now that we're parents, uh-huh. at what point do parents, you know, need to go to therapy? Like, because it's not like we're going to force ourselves to go. Now, we just got to, like, be our own therapy, you know, like in the beginning. And when we come up to something that we can't tackle, then let's then go outside because i mean i I had all the baggage i had coming up i had a lot to unpack you know i I did a lot of dirt i did a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't know about it's people that's in places right now that you know could have been me had i stayed or something like that Mm -hmm. and you know it felt like uh, it was guilty and like i had skeletons in my closet Mm -hmm. you know i'm looking over my shoulder not knowing you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's like for a long time, I'm just harboring stuff, like really not talking to nobody about anything. Because I looked at it like too many people, like even my peers, they kind of like look up to me. So I can't seem weak to them. And that's how I looked at it. Right. You know, but one of my homeboys, you know, he was just like, dog, what the fuck is wrong with you, dog? Just Mm -hmm. just talk. And we went up to the harbor. We sat in the grass. I rolled me a J. And I spilled. And we was out there for a couple hours. You know what I'm saying? And I just let it all out. And I don't, I don't know. I ain't felt that good in so long. Right. So <laughs> long. And it was my homeboy. And it just and a lot of times, I don't need answers. I just need to get it get out. Get it out. Exactly. And, and, and I don't need it thrown back up in my face later. You know what I'm right. saying? Or, right. Or, you know, or... I mean, me and my boys, we like no hose bar when it comes to joking on stuff. But if it's something personal, we joke about it with each other, but not around everybody. You right. know what I'm saying? Because we just like try to keep our confidence, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that has worked for me. It has. I'm, I'm in a much better mind space than I was years ago. 
I mean, I've been been with my, my I've been with the same woman fifteen years. So I Good looked job. at it as that's a feat. Good job. Because I left people for a lot less. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I chose to stick it out with this woman and she stuck it sticking it out with me. And I I think that was one of the best decisions I made so far. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Just, just just imagine a hood, a neutral party. I'm a I'm a I kept like she ready for you. A neutral party. <laughs> How you know not that? Because I, I, I knew better. A neutral party, not just because somebody you can talk to. So what happens is our friends are our friends and they're guarded and they're safe, right? Right. But the right. neutral party person, they put you in another situation where you're now opening up to outside people. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is a different kind of healing mm-hmm. because people in your circle, you're still safe. And you still can be guarded. Mm-hmm. But people outside of your circle, when they start to get involved, and also somebody who knows nothing about you. Right. So what they're going to do is they're going to get the most purest form of everything in your eyes. And then they're going to help you unpackage it. A good therapist isn't there to have answers for you. They're there to ask the questions because really you have the answers within yourself. Right. And they're unpackaging stuff for you. And they're going to navigate tools to your next step. That's what our friends can't give us. They can't give us yeah. tools to the next step. So that means that you unpackaged it now. So now you've unloaded it. Now what do you do with it? And now how do you show up? And now how do you be vulnerable with other people? Now how do you say to your wife, you know, when you said that, it took me back to when we was in our fourth grade and my mom did this, 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 and this. And so this is why I showed up this way. And now you can go back to Sarah and Tonya and you can kind of make amends to things that showed up because you didn't know how to show up because of the way you are. And it's that next phase of how you can show up for your girls when they get before men that are showing up like you. And she's not going to tell you that because you ain't going to be ready to shoot them, but you're going to be ready to shoot them with the word that can heal them too. That's that's me. Wow. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, all, I'm always for like the the neutral party. You know, but, you know, with that is, I don't, I don't really know. It might be just, we look at it because we kind of get through a lot of stuff with each other. I mean, especially when it comes to my wife, we get through a lot of stuff like together, you know, we get through, Mm -hmm. we we sit down, we we shut ourselves off and we focus on whatever issue we got and we get through it right there and then we kind of be good after that you know and i probably would love to do that with my mother but i honestly believe that she would not she she would not be feeling it mm. but you don't have to do oh go ahead, go ahead. No, no no i was gonna say no i was gonna say exactly what you about to say go ahead yeah like you don't have to necessarily do it with your mother you can just go to therapy by yourself it will still help the situation with your mother she doesn't have to necessarily be there, present. You know, you don't have to go with her. You can do it on but, your own. I, I really, so what, they'll, what they'll tell you to do is you can open the door for her to show up. And then they'll guard you on how to be okay if she doesn't. That's what the therapy is about. So it's like, 
now I can confront my mom because let me just say something to you what's going to be powerful if it ever happens is if she answers some of the questions that you know the answers to right. but they come out of her mouth right and I feel that because it was I want to say a couple years back I reached out to her for her birthday which is a couple of days before Christmas you know and I reached out to her early and I'm just like, look, you might have plans. You might have whatever. I know it's your birthday, whatever, but you got an hour. Meet me somewhere for lunch, for breakfast. And is that all I want is that hour. And then you can go back to your day. She, she showed up and I kind of let her know. I'm just like, look, I'm not, I wish our relationship was better. I wasn't blaming her for anything. I was just like, look, you know, you know where we are. Your, 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 your grandkids look like you. They ask about you. You know where we are. You know, my mother got five kids. You know, it, I see on Facebook, she'll be over all my four sisters' house. Mm. Each one of them. Mm. I see her numerous times at each one of my sisters' house. But not me. Do you? You know, do, and do you think she? Do you think? Do you think that she now feels bad for how she probably treated you and don't know how to talk about that? No, I, I honestly don't know because now when I when I see my mother, I happen to bump into. Her. Wow! Now, if I, my now, grandmother, now, hey, hey, hood, let me let me tell you this real quick, and I'm gonna let you finish. Just know this. You bumping into her ain't ain't by habitstand. It's not by like an accident. You right. bumping into her for a reason. Right. I, I try to I try to I try to I try to look at it that way because when I see her, I'm excited. You know, hey mom, you What's know, up? I give her a kiss and all right. of that. Right. You know, but I'll, I'll I, I I go visit my grandma. I go check on her. She up there in her age. You know, I go you know bring her some coffee. Mm -hmm. You know. Chit, chit chat with her, might bring her some breakfast, just sit with her for, you know, a couple hours in the morning or something, or Sunday morning. You know, that's just like a thing I do. When I, when I ain't got to work, you know, I go holler at grandma that's because, you know, it seemed like, it seemed like, you know, I, I told my wife this, you know, uh, the first half of my life, I lived with my father's parents. And I probably moved in with my mother when I started school. You know, it's like five years old. And I left the house at 16. So it seemed like I've been with my mother 11 years. And I've been with my wife for 15 already. Dang. You know? And I've, I've been with my wife longer than I lived with my mother. That's and that was like mm. profound to me. I actually took some psychedelic mushrooms and hit a J and came to that conclusion in my yard. <laughs> you know? And I, I talked to my wife about it. You know, I, I knew she didn't know how to, like, respond to that, but it was, like, mind-blowing, mm. you know, because that's, that's not something you hear unless unless you've been married 35 years, you know? Right. But we've been married eight and together 15, and that kind of weighed heavy on me. So when I went to see my grandma, I see my mother's car outside. Now, mind you, Years ago, I lived next door to my grandmother in the same apartment. And my mother would come to see my grandmother and not walk a couple of steps. They even let me know she was dead. What? 
Yeah, she would go sit with my grandmother wow. all all morning. Wow. Oh, I've been here since six o'clock this morning. I'm like, damn, it's four p.m. You know, I just happened to come outside and see your truck, and you've been here all day. Wow. You know, and for a long time, I told my wife they fuck with me. They really did. And when I see her, it's more like a auntie. You know what I'm saying? You know how you ain't see your aunt in a month or so. You, hey, auntie, you give her a hug. Hi, remember the time we did this? We laugh about that. And then that be it. And I noticed that when I leave my mother, I don't be feeling the same way that I do. And I know I'm kind of healed from it. You know, I'm at peace with myself knowing that I try to be the best person I could be on this planet with everybody I meet. And I would say 99.9% of the people I meet are pretty happy with the guy that they meet. You know what I'm saying? So I'm cool with that. Mm. And I want to touch upon something you said that really spoke to me is that you see her, but she shows up for other people. And I'm going to be honest with you. Every time you see her showing up for other people, it's another stab at you. Whether you bleeding fully or not, it's another stab at that relationship of why am I not good enough? And that's why I was saying to you with the therapy piece, because what they may take you on the other direction, you going at your mom, they may not even ask you to go at your mom. They may say go at your grandma and then navigate the generational piece of that. Mm. You got your grandma's ear. So what's happening? Like, what's going on? Let me tell you that she's talking to your mom about something. They got hours and hours, and she knows a whole lot. But I'm not saying for you to just go willy-nilly to do that. It got to be guided with specific wording because they'll walk you through all of the things that can show up, how it all can unpack in Pandora's box. Because when you open it up, it's going to be a whole lot of stuff there, and it's going to be people who you want to come back to. I do emergency appointments when you open up Pandora's box. And one of the things I had to do was tell my dad, you need to go make peace with your mom and like let her know that all of that abuse, you passed that down to us. <laughs> and how you showed up to us was because of her. Mm. And I remember him calling her. He said he cried. And all of the stuff that he was able to say to her. And that was after my mother had died. So just imagine who he could have been for my mom. And how he could have showed up differently for my mom. Him and my mom were married about 38 years. And in the last year of my mother's life, I mean, he was her caregiver, right? And then he overcame all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, in this process that he was going through, he calls me out of the blue and tells me about how all of his marriage, he had cheated on my mom. I never would have known it what? from that aspect of it. Wow. Yeah, he, he opened the door and he said, you know, your mom never knew. And I said, let me tell you something. From a woman who's been cheated on, she knew. She just never let you know that she knew. Mm. And yeah. I heard it in his voice how it took him down 10 notches like, Yep, and you ain't going to be able to resolve that. So you need to go take that to therapy and work that out because I can't work it out with you. Because yeah. I was in my own process because all of these years that I had, he had me in this. Have you ever seen people in phases and you're like, oh, well, he was over there. That's why he was a little bit too much friendly with that person. Because that little, that, it's something to remind you of people he was way too friendly with. 
Yeah. And then you start thinking about stuff. Mm-hmm. But my mother was such a different person that she would have never, it would have never showed up for you. I've never seen my parents argue because whatever they did, they probably did it after we were asleep. So all that stuff, it was like, I didn't know. And so when he said it, I was like, man. Wow. And I'm holding him to a standard in my marriage. Right. And then it was like, all of my stuff was broken down. And now I got to deal with all of my stuff and how it was showing up. And I was like, wow. And then I came back to the conversation and I said, this is what it's about. And when you navigate back to it, I'm telling you now, that's why I was telling you the steps, the little things that's happening in your subconscious that your brain protects you from. When you go to therapy, they open up that because they got to heal that protection mechanism that causes it to kind of push you back right. to survive. It's a survival skill. What I'm saying to you, I have no, I have all respect for you, Hood, when I say this. No disheart feelings, but you're surviving in this, not living in it. So it's a different kind of tactic once that person peels back that onion and then they start to unpack. Because now you got to fold the clothes back in the drawer a lot different. Mm. Just And then they deal with you differently. And then they tell you how to process information. So when she does this, how do you feel? And then how do you show up? Do you overcompensate? Do you undercompensate? Do you feel like it's neutral? Because now you, your, your body is trying to protect you from whatever you feel. Mm-hmm. And now that she's going to open you up to now start to feel some of that pain that's under the layer and then it's going to be like, oh, this hurts. Yep. It's that ouch. That's why I remember the mom fell back on her back. Yeah. When she fell, yeah. she was giving her that platform because she thought when she started saying stuff, yeah, I'm good. And it was like, now she's starting to hear all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And the more the pain got bigger and the more Pandora box opened, she started to buckle because she had been surviving, not living. Yeah. And that's yeah. a mechanism our brain does so well. Because it's protecting us from us self-sabotaging. And that's my um Kevin where nervous breakdowns come from. Our mechanism goes in overload and it can no longer process the amount of information that it has anymore. And now it shuts down. And then you have nothing. Mm-hmm. So you can go on one extremes. You can go on a nervous breakdown or a significant depression, or you got a flat line. That means that you just don't feel things towards certain circumstances, that does not mean that they're not impacting you. Right. Right. Mm. They just go numb. Right. I've noticed I, I've done that before. I just like went numb with a lot yep. of things. Yeah. Wow. Just, like you said, it's a it's it's a protection mechanism. No. I just want you to feel again. Yeah, you know, I just be numb. And then my wife would be annoyed because I go all day not feeling nothing, and then I just want yep. sex, you know? <laughs> just, yep. And she's just like, ooh, you know, come on, what the fuck, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't, I didn't understand it at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. But once I started kind of like just really just like, you know, looking at my kids, and I had three mm-hmm. graduations this year, three. I got Somebody graduated high school, somebody graduated going to high school, and somebody graduated going to middle school. So those three three weeks from at the beginning of the June was busy, you know, was busy, you know, and I let everybody know, you know, they don't give you many tickets for, you know, graduation, but, right, right. you know, 
you know, grandparents, you know, they always get one at least. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I reached out. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't get a response. Called, left a message, sent a text, even sent Facebook. You know, and, you know, my, my wife's mother, she always gives me a big hug and a kiss when she sees me. And I know it's from my wife talking to her. Right. You know what I'm saying? But her mom always been like one of the sweetest people in the world to me. So I accept it and I, and I love it when she does it, you know? And the sad thing is my mom's mother, my grandmother, I get affection like that from her. My dad's mother, that whole, my whole, my dad's whole side. I was the, I'm the oldest grandchild. So I didn't have to walk till I was five. Everybody picked me up. Everybody spoiled me, Damn you it. know, everybody knows, you know, <laughs> you and had a yeah, and my grandmother, that was my baby, you know, to this day, that's like the best woman on the planet, you know what I'm saying, uh-huh. and uh-huh. like I said, my first five years, I was with her, you know, and then I moved from when we was living in uh, Columbia Heights in a big ass house, and I moved from there to Northeast. Moore Street, right by Trinidad and, mm-hmm. and, and Orleans Place. Yeah. You know, it was a hell of a change for me. Right. You know? And in coming up, and I noticed that even back then, I stayed with my mother's mother. My grandma, my mother stayed with her boyfriend. And I was with my mother's mother. So honestly, mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was probably nine or ten when I moved with my mother. And I wanted to ask you here, because I know you had mentioned your sisters. Are they all younger than you? Yes, I'm the oldest. Yeah, it, 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 I just find it interesting, like how you say that they're, you know, your your mother's always, you know, either, you know, she's with them, their kids, and it's I'm just wondering if, if, if there's issues with her father that she has. Yeah. Even like the lady in the Yamba thing, it was really her issues with her dad that made her go to her sons like that. I, I, I never met him. I never met him, and he lived mm. in South East. I never met him. It was my understanding that he didn't claim them. Wow. He didn't claim my mother and my oldest, my uncle Vincent. They have the same father, and mm. he didn't claim. His name was Earl. That's all I know. His name mm. was Earl, and he lived in South East. Do you have all sisters, or do you have any brothers by your mom? No brothers, all sisters, even on my father. So he got three girls. So you just said you just said that. Some real stuff. She goes to see all the girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She doesn't see you. That's why I say some unpacking that's gonna be done. And how that shows up, like she said, dad and then that situation. And like I said, if you if you got a relationship, I mean, if you feel that you I would always suggest that you got therapy to guide you through it, but to have those conversations because your grandmother knows everything. Why not? She's her mother. So she knows about that man. She knows about how all of that shows up. She knows about who she married, who she didn't marry, who she dealt with, how it happened, how it played out. And it will make it not say better, but it'll make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I just wasn't a choice that I'm ignored. It's almost like a a switch. 
And until somebody or something cuts that switch on in your mother, she doesn't know how to activate it. And it's 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 a far-fetched piece. It's too far for her to really realize and self-actualize. That's why therapy for families is needed. So y'all can all have those conversations. And that's why Yana showed up the way she did with that that girl, that guy and that the mother. Because she had to go through some things and really do some work on herself. Not, and that's why I was saying you've still got time on your side. I, I really am encouraged that while you have time on your side and she's still on this earth to make that a priority for you so that you don't have to close that door without having the information. Because mm-hmm. you're going to have to live past it regardless. It's if you're going to live past it with a little bit more information or resolve or when you're going to live past it and that door is closed and then you don't have the ability to do that anymore. That's why you keep seeing her. It's a reminder that time is on your side. You know, I honestly believe, I honestly believe, like, coming up, my mom was, like, 16 when I was born. You know, she was a kid. You know, and then on top of her being a kid, my first five, six years of my life, I wasn't with her. So... I look at it like she don't really see me as a son. You know what I'm saying? Wow. She really don't. And that's how, I don't know, I kind of come to grips with it, you know, because, mm. you know, I mean, I don't I don't know because all my kids, I've been there when they was born. I'm going to be there when they get married. It's just, it's just something that's just going to be me. And it's just something that they, they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their lives is my face. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right. I'm gonna beat it. Right. It's nothing gonna keep right. me from them. Right. You know, and yeah. and I can't I can't understand how somebody could feel that way. I mean, my oldest daughter didn't live with me until she moved. She was like 15 when we bought the house. You know, she lived with her mother, so I got her every weekend, every holiday. You know, I was at all of her little recitals of volleyball mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. The the I don't know, all the types of stuff she was in, I was there. Mm-hmm. I made it my business, you know, and I'm getting there, and it's not just I'm there going through the motions, you know. I'm there supporting my baby. I ain't thinking about my mother at all. I'm just my baby, and I'm mm-hmm. here, and I'm proud, and I'm big smile on my face in the stands, and I just can't understand how somebody could, like, not feel like that for their kids. And I just mm -hmm. come to that, just saying, like, you know, maybe she doesn't see me as her kid. That's tough. And just like, that is, that it is. But just like what Nadia said, like, even how you're going through and saying, like, you just don't, she just doesn't see you as her kid. You know, that's definitely a survival tactic, you know, so you can just survive with it. But also, I want to go back to the generational stuff, because... Like how when things just don't make sense to us, like it just doesn't make sense. I know for years I went through that with my grandmother, like a lot of the ways how she was and how she was with, you know, her kids and us as her grandkids. It just did not make sense to me. You know, I saw people with their grandmothers loving all this. was My grandmother was, you know, she wasn't like that at all. And it used to just I never could just understand, you know, like, um. It was just, it's like she just didn't love her kids. Because even when we were growing up, it, she would still do 
evil things to her kids. And so it affected the grandkids, of course. So it was just like, I just didn't understand that until I started understanding my great-grandmother and how they were all raised. It really goes back to how people were raised. It's not like your mother just came out and was just like, okay, I'm just going to just not like my son and this is how life is going to be. It's probably, it's, it's, it's probably like how Nadi says, so much unpacking that needs to be done. Them, them family really, Yes, Kevin, it's so mm. many family secrets. And when I learned mm. about my great-grandmother and how she was with those, it, it, it made so much sense why my grandmother was the way she was to the point where I literally forgave her. Because it made so much sense because there's no way that you can get out of that mess and be a functional parent to anybody. So, yeah. I, yeah. It Good was a lot of unpacking. And imagine if the trauma came from the person and you look just like that person. Oh. Right. What? Right. Yeah. Right. Because my, mo- yeah. my, my, my mother reminded me all the time how much I looked at my father. You look just like your father. I'll be like, oh, what that mean? <laughs> I get that for both my parents. What that mean? I get that for yeah. both my parents. They say I look just like my mother and just like my father. That's crazy. Mm. Mm. So, mm. so they, I mean, they, it's... Joke, they even joked and said my parents look like brother and sister. <laughs> Don't be surprised. I, I was going. I was going to say that. No, I, they ain't. They I, ain't. I, I was going to no, say no, that. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying don't be surprised if you, you get some conversation like, yeah, this is starting to Hey, you know that could be possible. Like I said, I never saw. Him. I never saw. Him. I, never yeah. I mean, I mean, my my thing with it is, Slim. As long as you've gotten to a point where you have, um, you know, dealt with it in your way, it's nothing we can do to tell you to how to deal with it, right? I mean, right. Su- suggesting right. going to the therapy is just a suggestion from people who have seen the the impact and the good that it's done for them, right? But if, if you're at a place where you're good, I mean, that's that's where we want you to be. But, but it's always that but, right? Because it's always that but if you do this and then, you know what I'm saying? So it's always the decision. It's always that challenge because I'm, I can tell you honestly, going to counseling ain't easy. And and, and and you all and and, and you always got to go on it. days that you got something to do. So you got to pick and choose. Am I gonna go do what's likely, or I'm gonna go do what's gonna help me? And you know, get the rest of my day going. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's yeah, I mean, I, and I feel that because you know, like y'all said, it was like I'm surviving through it. Right. And yeah, you know, it don't bother me as badly as it does, but I'll, it'll be a situation where it'll just spring back up. You know what I'm saying? That that just let me know that I ain't all the way over it. And right. I felt like I needed to talk to mom about it. You know, I want to sit down and just be like, look, you know, I don't feel no certain way. I mean, even though I attempted that, I attempted to, like, let it all out, you know? And it was, you know, it was more, you know, 
she just saying, no, nah, it wasn't like that or that's not true. And why would you feel like that? I really got no explanation. I was letting out everything that I was feeling and I really ain't get it back, you know? And then I was just like, you know, like, damn, you know, I ain't going to never be over this. But then I just got to a point where it's like, you know, I done did everything that I could do, you know? So I got to kind of like just move on, mm. you know, and it doesn't bother me as badly as it does. You know, it's, it's times where, you know, like I said, when I see my mother, it's like, you know, auntie, you know, mm. it's like auntie. But when I see grandma, it's a blown hug, kiss on the cheek, you know? You know, little jokey joke, you know, things how I'm supposed to be with my mother. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and the sad thing is, like, the earliest memory of I have that I have with my mother is me getting the ass with mm. Damn it. That's my earliest memory. Wow. You know, and, and I try to think back because I know I had good times. I know. I, it's me. I see my mother smile and laugh hard, you know, with me. And I know we share some laughs, you know, because she, she kind of, you say I be playing too much, you know, I be joke on jokes, you know, that's who I get it from. My mother funny, you know what I'm saying? And we can dab at each other, you know, and I know we've done stuff like that, but it's not often. I would think if I had like, like with my girls, oh, we crack jokes all damn day. Just me and my girls, we just be talking shit back to each other, joning everything all damn day. And I'm looking like that's how me and my mother were like should have been, just knowing how she is, you know. And I'm like should have been like that, mm. no. But I'm I'm just making sure my girls is just better. They are better than I was at that age as far as you know mental health wise. Because I talk to them, you know, I give them all their alone time. I let them vent. I let them say a cuss word, even if they want to. You know, they're kind of like a mm-hmm. little icebreaker for You know, and I see, I see how content and how happy they are just being right mm-hmm. now. They playing mm-hmm. video games. They should have took a shower and ate. They probably ain't do none of that shit yet. So I'm gonna go down and <laughs> get on them after I talk to y'all. But you know, I'm. I'm good, you know, I'm good. I, I feel good, my wife good. We we in a much better place after, I don't know, arguing a couple years back, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we were like ready to leave each other, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know what it was. It was something one of our kids said that made us all laugh. Like the whole family, all six of us in the house, we just started cracking up laughing and forgot what we was fighting for. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And it was just done. And then I looked at that like, you know, like, I think I'm over it. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm over it. Like, over, and, like overthinking so it. So yeah, overthinking huh? it. Overthinking it, trying to figure out what you didn't yeah, do, what you could being, do. Being mad at my wife and my son relationship. Yeah, yeah. Not being mad at it, but just like, man, ugh, you, you gonna make him a punk. You gonna make him always need you. Right. Let him do it by himself, you know? And whole time at 18, I needed that, right? right. Exactly. I done, For sure. I done blew so much money just being dumb. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Had I had like, let me be working and live with my mother till I was 21. Man, I'd have stacked so much money. I'd have been so different than I am mm-hmm. right now. You know what I'm saying? I'd have went through so many different experiences much earlier than I did. 
I probably would have bought my house at 25 or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I would have had it 20 years by now if I'd have bought it at 25. You know, that's just stuff that I just, you know, just through happenstance, through people coming in and out of my life. You know, they in your life for a reason or a season. And I just make sure I give them a little something and I take them a little something. And I've come across some unforgettable people, you know, and I just feel good about that. That's what's up, man. I, I, I mean, again, like I say, man, I appreciate, you know, just just kind of, you know, sharing. I mean, I know sometimes it takes a lot for people to share, and, I, and I'm humble when people decide to do it because, I mean, it's not like you have to. I mean, this is something that is always volunteered. Like, whenever I get a guest or whenever I get somebody that come on here, it's volunteered. Or, like, for Nadia, I asked her, could she come on? So it's, it's always humbling. Regardless if I ask or, or 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 regardless if I'm asked to do it, um, and, and I, I I I get a lot out of it because I feel like yeah I had some 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 times with my moms as well, and I mean we we are much better now, but I do think that there is a little bit of that, um, you know, sadness that I'm not home every day and I'm not around because I'm in Florida, so um, I try to call and text as much as I can, you know. You know, just to just to let her know that I, I am thinking about her. You know what I mean. So, I feel like at the end of the day, champ. I mean, as long as you good, um, you know that that's all that really matters. And at the end of the day, whatever you decide to do outside of your happiness, it, it will be on you. It wouldn't be let let nobody kind of tell you what you should do or whatever because that's that's you and and that's your situation. So I just. I just appreciate you coming on, Nadia. As always, I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. You know, always dropping nuggets. Um, Amechi, you know, she has a, um, a. I think she's building something even on her own. Where I think as the momentum shifts, it'll be people, you know, reaching out to her and asking her about stuff. Because I just feel like the more we open up, the more we communicate, the more people figure out. Okay, now I know why she do that, or now I understand why he do that, or now I understand why he was like yeah. that. Because it's a lot of people that really didn't really know. Like it's a lot of people that say they know me and they really don't. Like it's a lot of people that oh that's my man and nigga you don't really know me for real. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I, I get that all the time, bro. That's my man. That's like you know that like you you but you really you don't, don't know, know my me last though. Name. Yeah, I mean because <laughs> if you really because if you really knew me you wouldn't say shit to me like you say on Facebook. Or if you really knew me, mm. it's just certain shit that you wouldn't do because you know I don't I don't get down like that. So that's how I know you don't know me. And that's cool too. It's cool that people think they know me because I'm I'm cool with that. And, and and I deal with it when I need to if it gets disrespectful. But as far as that, I just I just appreciate the time. I appreciate um the platform. I mean it's healing for me. I hope it's telling for others. Um, even when I spoke to you, you was like, "You, why not? Let me vent. And I'm like, even though you say vent, but it's a way of, you know, releasing it, you know, and not holding on to that shit. So, yeah, I, you I, can't force it out. You got to let that shit exactly. go. Exactly. And, 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 so, and, and, and think about it. When I posted the post, I didn't I didn't inbox you. I didn't text you. You 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 made a post. And then I inboxed you and was like, Slim, you... You 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 feel like you would talk about that? You was like, yeah. So it, it just felt like it felt right, and so that's why this happened. And I always say everything happens for for a definite reason. So Amechi, before we leave, man, I want you to again tell everybody about the Amechi effect and um, let them know about how they can go to Amazon and get at you, and then we're gonna get out of here. 
Yeah, so I have uh, my blog, it's called The Amechi Effect, and it's, it's really all about personal growth and transformation and transformational journey. So I started that back in May, and it's basically just a blog, you know, just post about, you know, inspiration. I posted about my whole grief journey, uh, just different things that have put me on, a, I would say, this personal growth path. I uh, definitely blog about and I'm very open on it. So um, let me give you all the website for, um, oh, actually, I'm sorry. Okay, let me give you all the website for the Amechi Effect. So it's the Amechi Effect, and Amechi is spelled A-M-E-C-H-I effect, dot wixsite.com. So if you go there, you'll see the blog and everything and then I also have a journal that I published last month it's called um life's a bitch so thank it and it's just a gratitude a daily gratitude journal um you know you can write down anything that you're happy about anything that's you know anything that's going on in your life right now um that's just a true blessing because through my journey I found that gratitude and staying in the present helped me a lot um we're just getting past you know I guess I've for me, I was tired of surviving and gratitude and being um, just thankful every day started making me have a very fulfilled life, a life that I was kind of missing out on. So the journal is called that and you can find that on Amazon. That's what's up. Cool. Cool. Kevin, um, text me that stuff because uh, I, I ain't have anything to write that day. I'll do that. I'll shoot it to you. Yeah, but I appreciate you having me on, bro. I really do. I mean, I'm, like I said, you know, I do see your posts and some some touch me a little 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 closer to the heart than others. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. I chime in. Right. You know, and I'm I'm around, bro. I mean, I, I I love these type of conversations. I like enlightening people. I like people looking at things from different angles, you know, and I like to be a part of stuff like that. So, you know, you ever need me again, bro, just just shoot me a text, let me know. That's a bet. I appreciate that. Nadia, you got anything before we leave? Yeah, I was gonna say, um, one of the things is uh her name is Natasha Reed. Uh, she's a counselor for Rema Counseling. It's R-H-E-M-A. If you put in Rema Counseling, you can find her on the website. She is a husband and wife. They're both therapists. And um, they have been instrumental in helping me and my family transition when I got here. She was, I, I was looking for certain specifics and how she showed up. She not only showed up in the beginning, but just helping me navigate. She showed up and started giving me, like I said, listen, I need that. I need the, the spiritual side of that too. So then after a while, we got past some of the beginning stuff. She started dealing with the therapy of scriptures. This is where it is in the Bible. This is where you go. And that kind of opened a whole nother door for me. So I had to come back full circle. And her and her husband are there. And they do awesome work um, out, out here in Wardorf. But they, they're, um, they're virtual now. But it's Rima Counseling Services. And I love how they supported us through everything in these last two years. That's sweet. That's what's up, yeah, I like that information, too. Yeah, we'll we, we, we make sure you get all of that, man. And if anybody that's listening, if you guys missed anything, just let me know. You can always reach out to me and I'll get all that information to you. And, uh, you know, hopefully that it'll be resourceful um, and, 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 and just impact your life, man. That's that's what we're here for. So, again, I appreciate everybody, man. I thank y'all, man. We're going to get out of here, man. And, uh, again, like I say, man, just be better than you were yesterday. That's the that's the that's the. That's the goal, man. If, if God gives you breath, um, you know, to, to try to get it right, 
then why not try to be better than you were yesterday? That's the that's the main goal. So I, I appreciate everybody coming through. God bless. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Nice meeting for you guys. For sure, man. Y'all for sure. Y'all you too, man. Good night. Y'all have a good one, man. I'm with the six man. How you hit that free throw with no jumper? Take my people out of section eight. I stand by my promise. Pray to God it took a leap of faith like Pac and Biggie Papa. Black Lives Matter over here. The truth they can't see yeah. too often. Get the kid facing trauma, stress, depression, marijuana, 50 cents a jack, heart disease from me now carry out a sweat, blood and tears. My cousin spent five years at this McDonald's, taking classes, studying social work, and hosting fillers pockets. Scarlet fever from industrial parts, pollution gave us asthma. I can't trust the news no more. Cause they put filters on their cameras Six men tell it straight out here Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford One leg inside the trench My wrist came from corporate office uh, Here's the truth Might above the matters I can't let them starve Hood preacher I can't let my city ever fall apart Made mistakes before I overcome the odds And took a charge Built a damn pile Took my youngest Yeah, I'm with the six man How you hit that free throw with no jumper Take my people out of section eight I stand behind my promise Pray to God it took a leap of faith Like Pac and Biggie Papa Black Lives Matter over here, the truth they can't see too often, yeah, yeah, we need change of perks, we always had it the worst, cause white folk policies left us cursed, we need retribution, put 10 bands inside my grandma purse, they said it back a thousand years and took our culture here as dirt, we all kings and queens, right, just hit the six man for advice, my mind was stuck in the gutter, spoken reason changed my life, meditation kept us woke, therapeutic vibes and quotes, they just killed Breonna Taylor, so it's hard to trust her folks, and I said the prayer for yeah. White collar crime through the stock market, mail fraud. When it came to food stamps, my brother never had a choice. Fast forward, he just copped a 20 acres. Yeah. I'm with the six man. How you hit that free throw with no jumper? Take my people out of section eight. I stand behind my promise. Pray to God it took a leap of faith like Pac and Biggie Papa. Black Lives Matter over here. The truth they can't see. Yeah. I'm with the six man. How you hit that free throw with no jumper? Take my people out of section eight. I stand behind my promise. Pray to God it took a leap of faith like Pac and Biggie Papa Black Lives Matter over here the truth they can't see too often guess yeah.